Hey, good morning. We're glad you could be with us today. Thank you for joining us. Perhaps we would invite others to come and be part. We would love to have them be part of our worship service. And so if you do, start a watch party. If you're on Facebook or whatever, call your friends. We're delighted to have them come and join us. We have many people who do from across the country uh, and around the world. So if you would like to join us, please do have others come and be part of it. Uh, I wanted to give you a bit of an update about what we're having here locally, and that is we're going to open our church up for our worship service on the 10th. That's one week from today. We will have a worship service at 11 a.m. We will stream it live so that if you are watching, no matter where you are, you can follow the service, but it will be a live service uh, with everybody here. So you're welcome to be part of that um, and to enjoy that together. It'll be on the 23rd, uh, excuse me, on the 10th. Something that you need to remember, if you are coming, and we hope you do, if you're local, do come and join us, that one, we are practicing social distancing, which we um, just have to do. So we're doing that. And the second is that we're asking that everyone please wear, whoops, that's not it, please wear their mask, okay? to wear their mask. It is important that we do that. Uh, this will ensure not only that people have confidence that we've taken the steps to control the uh, COVID-19 the best we can, but that it actually may actually be help. I know there are lots of views one way or the other, but we're going to ask that you please wear a mask. I hope that's okay. Come and join us. We'd love to have you. All right. Last week, we looked at the topic of the Lord's will be done, and that was taken from a phrase out of Acts 20, where Paul was being told by uh, Agabus, a prophet, that he bound his hands and his feet, remember, with Paul's belt, if you were here uh, listening, and he told him that that's what's going to happen if he went to Jerusalem. There was a feast coming on. One of the uh, annual feasts was coming up. But Paul decided that, yes, he would go. And he said, the Lord's will be done. And he turned and went to Jerusalem, knowing that there was going to be trouble ahead. But he felt that's where God wanted him to be. Well, today I'd like for us to pick up the story in Acts 21. If you have a Bible, if you could please pick that up. We'd love to have you come and look at that. Acts chapter 21 and we're going to uh, begin uh, dropping down and not from the very first verse. But first, did you know that 25% of the book of Acts is actually devoted to Paul's journey from going to Jerusalem and then going on to Rome? 25%. Luke thought that was extremely important that we understand that particular part of the journey and what happened with Paul. Could have been a lot of other stories that were told, but... It's amazing that he spent 25% of the book of Acts on that one storyline, wanting us to see importance. And we will look at that again next week as we pick up the story and continue on. But we're back at Acts 21. I'm going to ask if you would please read down chapter 21, 1 through 26 on your own. We're going to let you do that and follow that and that journey and everything that happened that went there, and we're going to pick it up with verse 27. So look in your Bible, come down to verse 27, and here it is for you to follow along. When the seven days, talking about the feast, were nearly over, 
Some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him. They grabbed him, shouting, verse 28, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and the law and this place, speaking about the temple. Now, why would they say that about Paul? Why would they say that about his ministry? Because they knew his ministry. They knew the things that he had been doing. They knew what this was about. So if we did a quick review about that, of what Paul had saying, what would Paul be doing? Well, one, he would be saying, he would be saying to him the truth about who wanted Jesus crucified. And there is no doubt from scripture and from history that the Jews worked hard to get Jesus crucified. The leaders were vicious and they got him crucified. So in telling that story and telling that part of what he would be saying, he would be saying to them, saying to them that Jesus Christ was crucified. A second thing is, he would be telling the Gentiles that they did not need to be circumcised or, or not participate in some of the ceremonial cleansings and ceremonial things that the Jews were doing. He, he indicated to them, and if you read in Acts, it talks about the great council that came in AD 50, a few years before this incident, about, about this story, about how the Gentiles did not need to follow because Christ had come and been crucified and stopped many of those ceremonial things from happening. And three is the temple now, the temple in heaven, the sanctuary in heaven, had a new high priest. And in heaven, his name was Jesus. And Paul would be talking about that. So they would know, looking at that, that they were talking about a different temple, which they remember how the curtain when Jesus was crucified, the veil between the holy and the most holy place was ripped from top to bottom, indicating the end, that the sacrifice had been made, that Christ had died on the cross, and all the ceremonial things that they were doing to point to cross had reached their fulfillment. Anti-type met type, we say. All right. Verse 28, pick up with verse 28. So, and besides, you want to, and besides, he has brought Greeks, they're saying. They're yelling at the crowd. He's brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. All Jews knew that you could not bring someone in who had not been circumcised or had not been baptized. He knew, they knew that they were considered unclean. Gentiles are considered the unclean people. So he brought it into the temple and defiled. And oh, that was a huge no-no. And boy, did that make people mad. Oh, were they angry. They were so upset, spitting mad, we would say. And so they were so angry about what had happened. Verse 29, they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Well, if you've read the previous part of the story that happened, you would know how careful Paul had been to perform the cleansing so that he could go into the temple and not stir up the crowds. But they were so angry with him and so in an assumption. The mob assumed these things had taken place, you see. They assumed that this had happened. All right, so in Acts 21, verse 27 through verse 36, I'm going to catch you up a little bit. 
about how that all happened. So here Paul, he was there, he began to address these things to them. And you can follow the story of how this went forward from verse 27, how he was arrested, how they were so angry with him that they began to uh, yell at him. They were going to kill him on the spot. And news quickly traveled that there was this crowd that had gathered and that all Jerusalem was in a turmoil. And so he sent the Roman centurion who was in charge that day, sent soldiers and he went over there to see what in the world's going on. And when they saw them, they arrested Paul and they were going to take him to the barracks. And so they were going to take him there and make his way, even though this crowd was just out of control. Verse 37. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? And the commander responded, well, do you speak Greek? Paul was a very educated man. Yes, he spoke and wrote Greek. He also knew Aramaic. He was a very, he knew Hebrew. So he asked, can you speak Greek? Can you talk to me in Greek? And then as the centurion looked closer at Paul, he said this most remarkable thing. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists into the wilderness some time ago? Now, Josephus talks about this incident, talks about this person and who had done this. He was an Egyptian and incited a riot, and he led all these people out to try to overthrow Rome. So here was, here was this uh, soldier, the centurion. He's looking at him as officer and saying, hey, aren't you that guy? Are you that guy? Well, Paul answered and said, I, I am from Tarsus. I'm a Jew, and I am from Tarsus in Sicily, and a citizen of no ordinary city, meaning that it was a city of Tarsus. When you're born in Tarsus, you become a Roman citizen. Please, let me speak to the people, Paul requested. And after receiving permission from the commander's permission, Paul stood up on the steps and motioned for the crowd. And when they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic. So now instead of speaking Greek or Hebrew, he's now speaking Aramaic. Those three languages are what the Bible is written in, incidentally. Mostly Hebrew, Greek, and then a little bit of Aramaic. Okay, so he began to speak to them. Now move into chapter 22. Can you drop down into chapter 22? I'd like you to look at that. We're going to move right on with the story. And he said, brothers and fathers, he didn't say sisters, but brothers and fathers, listen to my defense. And he began to share his story. He talked to him about being born in Tarsus, that he was a Jew by birth, that shortly after he was born, the family moved to Jerusalem. And while he was in Jerusalem growing up in the schools, he was so bright and was chosen to be a student of Gamal, who was thought to be like the Harvard University. <laughs> he was thought to be the most brilliant people. And so he made the sharing this story about he had learned all the traditions, all the laws. He knew them. He knew exactly what they were all about. He had been taught by the best. And these people are sitting listening intently to what he has to say. He then went on and shared the story about how he had gone and persecuted people, persecuted the people that were on the way, 
the people, the Christians, how he went after them. And that one time he was on his road to Damascus. He went from up over the hill from Caesarea Philippi, over the top, down on the road to Damascus as he was heading east. And as he was on the way to that city, he was almost to Damascus when about noon, an incredibly bright light shone. And you can read about this story as he tells it in chapter 22. This great light shone down and the voice from heaven came. And he heard the Lord speak to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul responded, well, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. And you are out persecuting me by persecuting these people. And if you know the story, he was blinded. Now, the other people that were around him, they, he tells the story that, that they didn't hear the voice spoken. Only Paul heard it. But he was told what to do. They certainly saw the light. They weren't blinded, but but Paul was. So they had to help Paul on his rest way. He says, you have to take me into Damascus. I have to go find this man named Ananias. And so he came and showed himself to Ananias. Ananias was afraid, but the Lord had gone ahead and shared with Ananias, it's okay, except Paul, Saul at that time, before his name was changed. So he told the story with that, picking up with verse 14. I wanted you to notice this is Ananias. And then he, Ananias said to him, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. Paul was being reaffirmed by Ananias that he had heard the voice of Jesus. He had heard Jesus tied the very righteousness, righteous one from heaven had spoken. Verse 15, and you will be Ananias goes on, you will be his witness to all people and all that they have seen and heard. You will share everything that you have seen and heard. And now he continues, and now what are you waiting for? Ananias asks of Paul, get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful And that's exactly what happened. Paul got up. He was out, he was baptized, his life was transformed by that meeting of the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he began his journey as a follower of Christ, as an apostle. He saw that his calling just as the disciples did. And because they had been with him for three and a half years, Paul's one experience of that said he was also a disciple, a follower of Christ. Verse 17, then he goes on and he's telling his people, when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw the Lord speaking to me. This is after he's in Jerusalem now. Quick, he said, the Lord said to him, leave Jerusalem immediately because your people here will not accept your testimony about me. Your people, meaning Christ's people, they will not accept what had happened, and they didn't. And he replied, Lord, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and to beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of the martyr of Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those 
who were killing him, the stoning of Stephen in 34 AD. Saul was right there. And then the Lord said to him, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Please note this next verse. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him. He is not fit to live. Oh dear, was something said here that was wrong? Perhaps should have kept that little detail quiet. Wouldn't have stirred up the crowd. Maybe he kept that silent. Paul knew, I believe, Paul knew that exactly those words were going to have that effect on him. Now, he was not controlling the mob, but the mob there, the people were so agitated that when he said that to them, they became extremely upset. The truth is, the gospel will always offend some people. No matter how it's said, no matter how it comes, some will always be offended by the gospel. Therefore, a fear of offending people must not stop the sharing of the gospel. Wouldn't you gather that from Paul? Because he knew it would be. And yet he went on to tell that story to them. I think it's a lesson I need to hear. Okay, let's take note now for just a moment of Paul's defense as he gave it. As I outlined that to you as he told his story. First, he spoke to the people in their own language. So he wasn't speaking to them in Greek or he wasn't speaking to Hebrew. He wasn't speaking high language. He spoke in Aramaic, which was the common language of the people. And they were able to understand him. He spoke simply. That was a very interesting way because now they were intently listening to his story. We also find that there wasn't the slightest sign in his uh, story of any bitterness or of any remorse in anything that Paul had said to them. No bitterness. He had been beaten and stoned and driven and falsely accused and had even been accused that day of crumped up charges, just as the Lord was. Yet there wasn't any bitterness in his language, in his story, as he simply told the story of what had happened to him. Another thing we note is that Paul spoke from his own experience. There's nothing like your own experience in Christ that can change things. There's nothing like what happened to you. No one can refutiate your story and your experience, can they? It's what happened to you. And Paul shared that story, and it was a powerful story, still is today. And they listened intently to it. It had power. And then when he came to the word Gentiles, all went well until then. And now they're furious, incredibly angry, and are out after him. And they would have killed him on the spot. Remember, he said, then the Lord said to me, go. He's repeating this to the people. Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And they yelled out at him, he's not fit to live. The crowd, almost like 
They did with Christ. Crucify him. Crucify him. Well, this crowd is like, not fit to live. Let's kill him. Get rid of him. They just said that earlier before his speech. Now they re-picked that theme up, and now they're yelling it at him and yelling at the officers. Well, the officers took him away to the barracks, spared his life, or they would have killed him right on the spot. Anger. Why? Why would they do that? Well, there's a little hint in the book Acts of the Apostles, and it shares us a custom to the custom to the excuse me, starting a custom to look upon themselves as the only people favored by God. They were unwilling to permit the despised Gentiles to share the privileges which hereto men reserved and regard as exclusively their own. We are God's people. You're not. We are the chosen ones, and you're not. So they were talking that gospel had gone to the Gentiles. The heart of Judaism, pointing to the Messiah, had now moved on to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were enjoying the beauty of Christ's grace, enjoying the same stories that they had taught their children. And they were furious about it. They were so angry. Well, that was a long time ago. And we can think about that being such a long time ago. But is there anything in it for us today? Those of us who have been in the church have grown up, and I, I am uh, been in a Christian family, Christian grandparents, Christian great-grandparents, they've all been lying. I grew up in church. I was taken to church as a very small baby and have been in the church all these years. And there can be something, well, you know, I have the truth and therefore therefore nobody else does and, and I can feel I'm the chosen, they're not. Well, this story indicates that that's a horrible view and not true. That's not how we are to look at it, not to how we are to see it. The last chapter in the book of Revelation has this, it says, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come, it's appealing to all people, come, and let the one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty, come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life, let them all come. All of God's creatures, all of God's people, or whether they are Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, rich or poor, educated or not, God still calls for them and respects them as his precious children. If God cares about them like that, shouldn't we? Those of us who who live and work through the, through the aspect of Christ and through the church, shouldn't we care about others like that? I believe so. I think we should. I think it would be important, don't you? So I'd like you to think about this story and what had happened and how it is that we may give glory to Christ, calling all who wish to come. Thank you, Lord, for this precious story that you give to us. I thank you 
that we can be blessed by the story of Paul, which happened over 2,000 years ago. I thank you that it still speaks to us and that we still have a way of responding. May we care about those around us, no matter who they are, and whether they reject the gospel or not, we still love and care for them. That we may share with them the great truth of Christ. That they can take up their cross and follow him as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we will see you next week. God bless.